You are listening to episode 17 of Stoicism on Fire. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Fisher, welcoming you to the Stoicism on Fire podcast, where the ancient practice of Stoic philosophy as a way of life and rational form of spirituality is still alive. What is important in life? That is a perennial question that almost all of us ask ourselves in one form or another at some point in our life. However, many of us neglect to confront that question until late in life or when unforeseen circumstances force the question upon us. There, amidst the faintly glowing embers of a long life approaching its end or within the smoking and smoldering embers of a cataclysmic life event, we are more likely to listen to our inner sage as it admonishes us to consider what is really important in life before it's too late. Seneca, the wealthy and once powerful Roman senator, repeatedly asked what is important in life in book three of his natural questions. He was looking back on his life from old age when he wrote this book, and from that perspective, he admits to us what provoked that question for him. He wrote, Old age is at my back and accuses me of having used up my years in fruitless pursuits. Many of us, maybe most, feel the weight of that same accusation at some point. We ask ourselves, what am I doing with my life? The question may be prompted by external events like a divorce, a disabling accident, the death of a loved one, a brush with death, a terminal medical diagnosis, the birth of a child, etc. Likewise, the question may arise during meditation or a quiet moment of self-reflection. Many occasions may prompt the question, nevertheless, it is fair to say that few of us ask it often enough or reflect on it deeply enough to affect lasting change in our life. Fortunately, as Seneca points out, it is never too late to begin anew. No matter what stage of life we are in, we can press on all the more and give hard work the opportunity to repair the losses of a misspent life. How? By giving our mind, our rational faculty, time to itself for contemplation of itself. Here, Seneca echoes Epictetus's confidence in our rational faculties, self-judging, and self-healing capabilities. We see those in Discourses 1.1. Nonetheless, we are the ones who have to create the time and the space for our mind to work on itself. According to Seneca, if we create the time in our busy lives to allow our rational faculty to work on itself, it can, quote, recover by using its present life with care, end quote. While it is helpful to create a time and place for regular meditation and thoughtful reflection, it's far more important to the process that we practice paying constant attention, prosake, throughout the day. This practice of attention focuses our rational faculty on our present judgments, present desires and aversions, and present intentions to act. This is the real inner work of the practicing Stoic. Once we are paying attention, we can deploy the three Stoic disciplines to help us with this transformation. Seneca asks, what is important in life, seven times, and provides seven thought-provoking insights in Natural Questions Book 3. This episode is the first of a week-long series of meditations 
that are designed to draw from Seneca's responses to that question to challenge us and inspire us as practicing Stoics. Each daily meditation is short enough to be listened to or read quickly during a morning quiet time or meditation and will give you something to consider throughout the day. The goal of the week-long meditation is twofold. First, I trust that Seneca's responses to the question, what is important in life, will provide some insights. Second, my wish is that Seneca's responses will provide some deep soul-searching and motivate us to ask and answer this potentially life-changing question more frequently. Day 1. The Inner Work of Stoicism What is most important in human life? Not filling the seas with fleets, nor setting up standards on the shore of the Red Sea, nor when the earth runs out of sources of harm, wandering the sea to seek the unknown. Rather, it is seeing everything with one's mind and conquering one's faults, which is the greatest victory possible. There are countless people who have been in control of nations and cities, but very few who have been in control of themselves. Natural Questions, Book 3, Preface 10 Seneca opens his examination of what is most important in life by directing us inward. The real work of the Stoic life, the work that provides the greatest victory, is inner work. This inner work, Seneca suggests, is done by directing our attention inward toward the only things that we can control, the judgments, desires, and aversions, and impulses to act that form our character faults. External successes are indifference to the Stoic. That does not mean that they have no value at all. Instead, it means that they have no bearing on our moral excellence and our well-being. These externals are indifference because they are neither good nor bad in and of themselves, and because they are beyond our control. They are not up to us in Chiridion 1. Ultimately, there is no causal relationship between virtue, our moral excellence, and these externals. We can become the head of a company, the leader of a social movement, a city or a nation, while still having a vicious moral character. Likewise, we can possess an excellent moral character while being poor, powerless, and essentially nameless. The excellent life, the life of virtue, is achieved through inward victory over the erroneous judgments and inappropriate desires and aversions that damage our virtue and diminish our well-being. Through the practice of attention, prosake, and the disciplines of assent and desire, we turn inward to examine the thoughts, desires, and aversions that trouble our mind and cause us to, quote, find fault with both gods and human beings, in Chiridion 1. This is the path of the Prokopton, one who is making progress, and it leads to the creation of what Pierre Haydo calls the inner citadel, where the vicissitudes of fortune cannot affect our tranquility. This inner citadel is within our soul, it's within our psyche, and it is there that we must focus our attention. As Marcus Aurelius wrote, people seek retreats for themselves in the countryside, by the seashore, in the hills, and you too have made your habit too long for that above all else. But this is altogether unphilosophical, when it is possible for you to retreat into yourself whenever you please. For nowhere can one retreat into greater peace or freedom from care than from within one's own soul. Meditations 4.3
Marcus further asserts that we have the power to stop our inner turmoil, which is caused by faulty judgments, at any moment. Quote, If you suffer distress because of some external cause, it is not the thing itself that troubles you, but your judgment about it, and it is within your power to cancel that judgment at any moment. Meditations 847. The inner citadel is created from the realization that nothing can touch the soul of the Stoic. This circumscribed self is immune from harm by anything external to it. Quote, Things as such have not the slightest hold on our soul, nor do they have access to the soul, nor can they alter it or move it. But the soul alone alters and moves itself and ensures that whatever is submitted to it conforms to the judgments of which it considers itself worthy. Meditations 519. Inner work is not easy. Uprooting faulty judgments, desires, and aversions that cause us distress is hard work. And that is precisely why, as Seneca notes, few people are actually in control of themselves. Most of us live lives that are driven by impressions of externals that prompt us to desire and to seek that which we do not control. As Epictetus frequently points out, most of us are not the masters of our own impulses. Instead, we are slaves to our desires and aversions. The path of the Prokopton can free us from this slavery to our desires and aversions. However, this path traverses a challenging, sometimes steep, and occasionally precarious route. It would be easy to assume, mistakenly, that the lush valley below offers a safer and shorter path to virtue and happiness. It probably does not. There are no shortcuts. There are no quick fixes in Stoicism. The path of the Stoic Prokopton is the practice of philosophy as a way of life, and it requires continued learning and constant training. However, the reward is worth the effort because the Stoic path leads to an excellent moral character and, ultimately, well-being. Nevertheless, as I have written before, the inward-directed nature of Stoic practice is not a call to withdraw from life's tempestuous seas. Quite the opposite. Through the creation of inner virtue, and the application of the dichotomy of control, Stoics become prepared to fulfill their role in society while maintaining their virtue and tranquility. Stoics shun the peaceful garden of the Epicureans for the rough-and-tumble world of human society because, as Seneca notes, quote, to fashion a Stoic who is genuinely to be called a Stoic, a stronger fate is needed. For him, the way will not be flat. He must go up and down. He must be tossed by waves and must guide his vessel on a stormy sea. He must hold his course against fortune. Many things will happen that are hard and rough, but things he can soften and smooth out himself. Fire proves gold, misery, brave men and women. On Providence 5.10 The practice of the three Stoic disciplines that define the path of the Prokopton allow us to gain control of our judgments, desires, and aversions and impulses to act. The inner citadel of our psyche is not created as a safe place to hide from the turmoil of life. Instead, the inner citadel is our psychological stronghold that derives its strength from the knowledge that nothing external to us can touch our soul, our psyche. From that place of inner strength, We can perform our roles in society with a purpose. Our purpose is to live in agreement 
with cosmic nature, our rational human nature, and our unique individual natures. As naturally social creatures, that means that we must live in, engage with, and contribute to the society we are a part of. There are innumerable ways to accomplish our social role, and that is not the focus of this episode. However, it is important to remember that our place is not within the Epicurean Garden. Stoics operate within the marketplace of humanity. Unless you are a sage, you're likely to encounter at least one moment of discontent or disturbance in your tranquility every single day. This may be triggered by a thought, an event, or a person. When that occurs, try asking yourself these thought-provoking yet straightforward questions. Questions like these can turn your attention inward and allow you to engage in the inner work of Stoic practice. Ask yourself, what is the impression being presented to my mind right now that is causing this disturbance in my tranquility? What judgments do I have about that impression? Am I judging this impression as either good or bad? Is this an impression of something I desire that I do not currently have? Is that desire for something that is within my control? How would my mental state change if I relinquished that desire? Is this an impression of something I fear may happen? Is this a version of fear of something within my control? How would my mental state change if I relinquished that fear? Are there other ways of judging this current situation that are consistent with the dichotomy of control and loving acceptance of the events that occur in nature? How would this impression appear different if I accept that I cannot control external circumstances? If I accept this event of nature with an attitude of gratitude, how will that change my current mental state? Now, these are not magic questions. There's no magic about them. And you can come up with more and possibly even better questions to ask yourself at those moments when you're feeling some type of psychological disturbance. The power is not in the questions. The power lies in the turn inward toward our judgments, desires, and aversions, and impulses to act. It is there and only there that we have any power to break the bonds of slavery that keep us bound to externals and that cause us to blame God and other humans for our own unhappiness. It is there and only there that we can discover the true freedom and human well-being that accompanies an excellent moral character. Thank you for listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast. If you're interested in this ancient practice of Stoicism, you will find plenty of resources at www.traditionalstoicism.com. If you're interested in a social media environment where this form of Stoicism is discussed, please join us on Facebook in the Traditional Stoicism group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on the platform where you listen to this podcast. That tells others this podcast is worth listening to and thereby introduces more people to the ancient spiritual practices of the Stoics. If you have feedback or a great podcast idea for me, send me an email at chris, that's C-H-R-I-S, at traditionalstoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you will continue exploring traditional Stoicism, where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine creative fire of the ancient Stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of Stoicism on fire.